This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase and along with Liz Gumbiner, we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. Today, we're going to talk about the sex talk with author Andrea Brand. Okay, so listen, I know that we've talked about this topic before, but really, can you talk too much about the sex talk with kids? I don't think so. But I do want to say this. If your school district is like mine and many across the country, they are making sex education, an optional home-taught module. Yes, that is actually happening. So that means as parents, we need to be more invested than ever in ensuring that our kids are getting comprehensive sex education. And that's where Andrea and her book, Stop Sweating and Start Talking, come in. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. And we'll be right back, jumping into this discussion right after this. This episode of Spawn is brought to you by My Leo Photos. If you're like me, your photo organization needs a little bit of help. Okay, maybe a lot. Last week, in fact, my daughter's school emailed to tell me they needed a baby photo of her for the sixth grade yearbook because she's graduating in the spring. And of course, it took me, I don't even want to tell you how long to find one. I had to look on my phone and then my computer and then my old computer and then my old camera. Let's just say it was completely ridiculous. And that's why I'm so glad to know about My Leo Photos. And I think you're going to love it too. It's a service that helps families organize and preserve photos, but also videos and other digital files that matter. So think your kid's artwork that you took photos of, old family photos that you scanned, even photos of certificates and cool things your kids have done. And it helps you keep them all in one super organized place. They solve the problem of handling a lifetime of memories in a much better way by collecting the digital files that matter to you and allow you to share them privately and, of course, preserving them for your kids and grandkids and generations to come. And you know what? It's so cool. It doesn't even matter what platform you use, whether it's Apple, Microsoft, Samsung, or Google. My Leo Photos works with them all across all of your gadgets. So if you take a second or maybe longer, if you're like me and have tons of photos and videos and documents, they're on a lot more than just one gadget. Just think about how amazing it would be to have all of those things in one place that you can easily organize. You can delete duplicates. You can put them together by calendar, by faces, so they're easily searchable. Even albums, unlimited albums based on your child's year in school and put all of the things together in one place. Doesn't that sound amazing? Well, my Leo Photos can help you do it and it's super easy. So get ahead of your 2022 photos right now. It's only $99 a year 
for an unlimited number of photos, videos, documents, and all your devices, but you will save 20% right now when you subscribe through myleo.com slash cool. That's M-Y-L-I-O dot com slash cool. It's already very affordable for all of the amazing features that you get. And trust me, I have seen all of them and they are pretty incredible. But now you're going to save 20% if you sign up through my URL, myleo.com slash cool. Let's just say your future self will thank you. And of course, they'll thank my Leo photos. All right, before we start talking with Andrea, let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a supporter of comprehensive sex education with an emphasis on helping parents embrace their role as a proactive go-to resource for their kids. She has worked for decades as a public health researcher until she pried herself away on the cusp of burnout to recalibrate her priorities. This ultimately led to a professional pivot when she became a certified life coach to support others seeking fulfillment given their own circumstances. Her book, Stop Sweating and Start Talking, marries her public health background and her life coaching skills. She holds an MPH and an MSW and is an ICF certified professional life coach. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you, Kristen. It's so wonderful to be here. Well, we are just going to get into it today about a topic that, you know, I feel like you can never talk about the sex talk too much. There always seems to be new information coming out there, and I don't know where you live, but at least where I am, this is a hot topic right now because of what's happening with our school boards. Are you seeing that with your clients or wherever you are as well? Yes, totally. And I am in Massachusetts, which historically is considered to be quite open liberal state. But even in Massachusetts, you would be surprised at how variable sex education is in schools across the state, you know, varies from district to district. Totally surprised. And so so if it's varying in Massachusetts, you can imagine what's it doing in the rest of the country. For sure. And, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm in basically a suburb of Philadelphia. You know, it's gone a little more purple than it has in past years. But I will say that we are seeing right now, I have a sixth grader, which this really applies heavily. And I had no idea this was happening until I got an email from the school saying, hey, check out this module. And I'm like, wait, what's going on? And I think a lot of parents are in the same boat. And you you talk about that in your book, right? Like how to find out what is being taught in your public schools. Before we even get there, though, let's just talk about in general, even before this was all happening, the sex education that our kids are getting at school, it isn't necessarily super comprehensive. Is that right? Or are there some places that you're like, this is an A plus situation or overall, is it kind of iffy? I would say it really depends on where one lives. There are some districts around the country mm -hmm. that do an amazing job that have adapted or adopted comprehensive sex education curricula. And there are many out there. You also have the other extreme, which is zero sex ed mm. or abstinence only sex ed. And I can talk about these a little bit if you like. And then also believe it or not, and I always say strap in when you get ready to hear this, there are some places that are permitted to teach information that is 100% inaccurate. Whoa. Exactly. And you have everything in between. So there's really this giant gamut of what is around there. So, you know, I do want to say, yes, there are some places doing it great. And then you have places that are doing nothing at all or doing a disservice. And I don't even know which is worse. I think doing a disservice is probably worse than not teaching anything. But what this does 
say is there's so much room for families and parents and caregivers in particular to be involved in their kids' sex education. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we really shouldn't rely on the school to be doing that. I know in some ways, perhaps we may think, well, maybe it's a little easier if it's someone else that's not related to them talking to them about these difficult things. But, you know, at least from my own parenting perspective, and I think you agree with me because you talk very openly about wanting parents to be the safe person, right, who openly offers information. And I feel the same way. I want them to be able to come to me. And really, I want to be the one who's giving them the information that hopefully is well-researched and I've read about and I've talked to experts like you. But, you know, what's interesting about your book, and I know we've heard this many times, right, is you talk about that it's like never too early to start talking to your kids about sex. But I know there are some people, even some of the people in my life who I think are like maybe freer than others, right? Who are like super open. But when you say, you know, it's never too early, they're like, oh, I shouldn't be talking to my four-year-old or seven-year-old about this. And really, I think of it as like a how. Like the question is, how do I know what to talk to my kids about when they're that young? Not should I, but what is it that I should talk to them about? And I think also we hear sex talk, but like it's more about body parts and consent. And like all, there's so many topics that, you know, stand on the periphery of like actual intercourse talk, right? Can you, can you talk more about this? Yeah. And you're spot on again. So when we hear talk, you know, we really need to start talking to our kids about sex at a young age. I can understand how that might send some parents into like a complete panic. Mm -hmm. Obviously what you would talk to a 16 year old or a 12 year old, even a nine year old will be very different than what you talk to your two year old about. So absolutely. When we say, let's start the sex talks early, we're talking about meeting your kids where they are developmentally and coming up with what's age appropriate. For example, the very first thing that we would start is when they're learning language, we're going to talk about correct body parts, right? Like the actual names of them. And that's to give them correct language to help keep them safe, Mm -hmm. to be able to use it as a building block for conversations that will come as they're a little bit older. So that one might be an easier or more obvious one. I feel like, you know, once you get those language skills, then you might move on to things that are around consent. Now, consent in a conversation with a four-year-old is not the same consent conversation with maybe your Mm 14-year-old. And by that, I mean body autonomy. A great example is when you're maybe roughhousing or tickling with your child. Asking permission, can I tickle you first, is actually really, really good. It gives them the empowerment to say what they do want and what they don't want. That's a great building block for conversations when they're older that might be around relationship consent, right? But it's giving them the voice, the power to say what's okay and what's not okay around their body. Well, that's super helpful. You're just laying groundwork. Everything is a step towards something greater that is over the course of having them at home. Assuming you have your kids at home for 18 years, it could be longer for some, but what an amazing amount of time we have to just be opening doors to conversation and giving them so much useful tools that if you start when they're younger, normalizing it, right? We're making these conversations happen very naturally, very organically without all of a sudden one day they're teenagers and you realize, oh my gosh, we haven't talked about a thing yet. 
too late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because then they're going to be like, really? You know, they're going to look at you with a side eye. You really hit it home for me. And I think for the listeners too, when you say, yes, you're setting yourself up for success when you start younger, not just because you're covering important topics, right? I think that that's great. And it's imperative that we do that. But also you're setting yourself up to have those harder conversations as they grow, as they get older, when they're not as apt to necessarily listen or take your advice. You have set yourself up for success by starting early. And like you said, you've normalized it, right? So it's not awkward. It's not weird. It's just something that we talk about. It's a safe space for us to do that. Precisely. Well, I love this stuff. This stuff is yeah. so important. And, you know, <laughs> as I was reading your book and writing the questions that I wanted to ask you, it really made me reflect. You know, I have four kids, three girls and a boy. So 18-year-old daughter, 15-year-old son, and then girls that are 14 and 12. And it really made me reflect on what we've talked about, how I've addressed it, have I addressed it because I have kids who have been in relationships, you know, on and off, like we're at that stage in our life. And I'm like, oh, did I do the right thing? <laughs> but, you know, I have set myself up to a point where my kids can come to me and it is a safe space. Let's talk a little bit about what I feel like is a genderization of sex talks. I just feel like we emphasize certain things, for instance, masturbation talk with boys and people with penises, as opposed to menstruation and period talk with girls and people who have vaginas, right? So what is your experience with that? How do we address that, right? Because I'll be honest, like, I don't really think I've spoken to my son about periods. He's surrounded by women. But clearly, I don't know if you've seen those videos. It's like Roe versus Bros. Have you seen these, Andrea? No, but I can't wait to go look them oh up. Oh my now. gosh. So it's it's <laughs> I don't know who does them, but it's a woman sort of on the street in New York asking men very basic questions like how many tampons does a woman use in a day? Why are there different size tampons? And it is a scary. Their responses are scary. And I was like, if this is not a call for all parents of boys to right now go talk to your kids about periods, I don't know what is. Anyway, I I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about that and how parents, particularly challenging with opposite gender, right? So like me speaking to my son or their dad speaking to the girls, like how do we circumvent that? How do we figure that out? Well, I mean, I'll ask you a rhetorical question. Uh, you don't need to answer this because I'll answer what I think would resonate with a lot of people, which is what if we taught everyone, whether you have a penis or a vagina, about everything? Mm. And this is why it will serve everyone for so many reasons. Okay, number one, whether somebody has a vagina or not, understanding a bit about periods, again, in developmentally appropriate ways, is going to serve them mm -hmm. because they may have friends, family members, or partners who have a vagina, even if they themselves don't, who go through a menstrual cycle, even if they themselves don't. This is true of all topics. Masturbation, I think you were mentioning earlier with something you talk about with a son, when we all know people with vaginas are just as likely to masturbate and enjoy the pleasure, mm -hmm. which is all part of sex talk too. Right. The whole pleasure discussion applies to everybody and in fact is left out of a lot of sex education. So what a beautiful opportunity to bring in what happens when one touches themselves and why people might do it and where is it okay to do it as far as, you know, being discreet or private about it in the privacy of your own bedroom and blah, 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 blah. I'm just saying, if you look at everything as an opportunity mm -hmm. for education, not in a way that goes on 
on and on and, and they're going to tune out. You have to know your own kid really to be able to figure out, A, how much are they really looking to hear right now so that they're not tuning you out? What can they handle? What are they really asking? Sometimes they might ask a question, especially when they're young. And we feel that not in our stomach because we're like, oh boy, I wasn't ready for this. And they're really not looking for the answer you think that they are looking for. They're just looking for something simple. Case in point, when my younger son was, I don't know, maybe four and he found a tampon I had lying around. He pulled it out and asked, what was this for? And I said, oh, that's for periods, which is something that I have once a month. It's bleeding from my vagina. I already gave him way too much. <laughs> he was like, see y'all. Yeah, really? So he just wanted to know that it wasn't a candy he had never met. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think knowing where your child is, like you said, knowing what their language skills are, what their receptive language skills are, what actually they're asking, right? It's sort of like answer their question. And then you could say, does that make sense? Do you have any other questions? Right. And, and nine times out of the 10, they may not actually, like you may have done enough, but parents typically are like, oh, okay, here we go. Sit down, buckle up everybody. Exactly. Right? And that's not what they're needing. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. Depending on what the question was, how deep the conversation went, we can always revisit it a few days later mm -hmm. and say, hey, by the way, did you have any more thoughts or questions about when we talked about X, Y, or Z, whatever it was. Again, just giving them the opportunity. You're showing you're accessible. You're not embarrassed. Even if we are, we might not necessarily reveal it. And if we are embarrassed, it can be okay. I don't want to tell people hide your natural feelings because it is natural and normal to be embarrassed. And if we feel that way, own up and say, you know what? I sometimes get embarrassed talking about this stuff too. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, it's like a sort of fake it till you make it, but also acknowledging that it can be an uncomfortable conversation. But I'm trying because it's my job. I think it is such a gift to give our kids a healthy view of their own sexuality and sex in general. And I think we would see a change in a lot of what's going on in the world when it comes to everything from sexually transmitted diseases to pregnancies to all of those things. If our kids, honestly, had a different view of sex and how it works and what it's for and the pleasure that you can get from it and all of those things, protection, et cetera, et cetera, that I mean, I'm Gen X, right, that we didn't get really. We just didn't get that from our parents. It's really a gift in my mind, but I have to tell you a story. So I forget how old my kids were. I want to say six. So I had six, four and two, maybe younger, maybe five, three and one. And we were skiing and I was using the restroom and anyone who has kids knows there's no such thing as privacy, right? Like they just <laughs> bust in on you. Right. Yeah. And so I had my period. They see blood. Like, obviously I'm fine. This happens every month. Like I have an egg that is not used. And so my body gets rid of it. It. And so, you know, I wash my hands, leave the bathroom. And then my son runs out to his sisters and goes, you guys come in here. Mom laid an egg in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. well, that wasn't exactly what I meant, but okay. <laughs> All right. Out of then. the mouth of babes. Oh my goodness. That's a treasure. Exactly. Oh, love exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. That's just a classic <laughs> story of really trying. Like, right. I was trying. I was like, let me just give him the basic information. Cause like, you know, blood is scary, right? Kids see blood. It feels like a scary thing. You know, it's equated with pain and boo-boos and all that kind of stuff. So I was doing my best. Um, all right. So I personally use media to help with these conversations. And sometimes these conversations, I mean, I guess people can avoid them, right? Like my parents did, which was like fast forward 
movies, right? But I mean, come on, didn't we all go back when our parents were asleep and watch the sex scenes and all that stuff? Uh-huh. Uh, I yeah. can't be the only one. <laughs> so, you know, I was watching the show Shrill and the main character, who was a female, was receiving oral sex from her partner and had an orgasm. And my son, this was a few years ago now, was like, wait, that happens for girls? And I was uh-huh. like, pause. <laughs> I was horrified. I was like, I have failed. This is horrible. How can you not know this? I have clearly not been doing my job. But I think a lot of times as parents, we maybe assume our kids know things, assume that they figure things out. And that's a teaching moment. Use as a teaching moment. Don't beat yourself up, but use it kind of as a, I don't want to say a wake up call, right? But like a signal that like, huh, maybe we should be having these conversations. I I would like to hear your thoughts on conversation starters and and all of that. Yeah, well, I think you handled it well, very well, and you did not fail. Let me just say that right off the bat. You have not failed your son prior to because this was news for him, that a person with a (laughs) vagina can orgasm. What I would like to say is there's no failures, but there's always learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you had one. So your aha moment was, wow, I could be doing more. And now I'm making a commitment to do more. And you also took a very organic moment. You guys were watching TV together. And that's one of the things that I say we have opportunities around us all the time without us having to force anything. That happens so organically. And as long as we have our eyes and ears open, these opportunities are everywhere. It's in music that our kids listen to. If we're listening to music with them while we're driving or if they get control of Spotify or streaming in the house at all, and we can talk about the music that they're listening to and why they like it. Sometimes the content Mm -hmm. could be interesting and we want to ask them if they even understand what that expression (laughs) means. That was well put, Andrea. I I, I just heard a song recently. You know, I I don't, it doesn't really bother me explicit things. My kids are old enough and we have enough conversation and I understand different parents have different rules, but it was basically a song that was saying like she had her period so she needed to give him oral sex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I Mm -hmm. was like, oh really? Right? Like, so I paused it much to their chagrin. And I was like, let's have a conversation. But I'll tell you what, there are lots of lyric lines to have conversations about. There are. And I'm so happy to hear you say that, that you're aware of that, because, you know, a lot of times we don't think of music as sort of a common ground area with our kids or as a place where we can break into discussions that are interesting or Mm -hmm. educational. And I'm sure they may not always appreciate having their music paused. (laughs) But, you know, even if yes. we can make a note of it and then when the... Do it later. Right. Exactly. Right, right. It's never too late. So in the example that you gave earlier, you used it as a teachable moment. And there's gazillions of teachable moments and there's no benefit in us berating ourselves because we feel like we've missed some perfect opportunities. Mm-hmm. There's always now. We can just begin again now and we can be moving forward if we decide that we can be doing better to make a commitment to just talking with our kids in situations that come up without us even planning it. I mean, those to me yeah. are the best. Yeah, they are, right? It's like, today, let's sit down, children. We're going to be talking about ovaries, right? Like, oh, yeah. You know, I was, yeah, like, oh, God, I can't even listen to my own voice. Right? No, I'm with you. <laughs> Let alone my kids. Although I was talking to my youngest on the way to school. She's like, are ovaries here? Do boys have ovaries? Like, so we have extra body parts. Like, it was actually just like a total 
cash conversation on the way to school. And like, those are my favorite, to be honest, right? Because it's just like, it's all good. We're just having a conversation. She asked her question and we go on our merry way. The more of those can happen, the better I feel like. Yes. And I love that it just happened. She asked you, very matter of fact, right. you had a very easy discussion, it sounds like. And then that was it. Bye. Have a good day, honey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, like thinking about her ovaries all day. So when we talk about the sex talk, right, we can't not talk about our own issues and feelings about sex. And I know you talk a lot about in the book about understanding your own values, right, when it comes to sex. And I think that that is so important, but it is so challenging, right? Because you talk about being a safe person who openly offers information, which I think applies honestly to every part of their life. And I'm curious to know how you model that, because I think the pleasure talk with sex is maybe one of the hardest things because we're talking to our young children. We can't imagine them being sexual beings, but like, hey, P.S., like hopefully they grow to be adults and that's the majority of their life. And hopefully they enjoy having sex, right? And that again is my value as opposed to other people. But I think about all of the things that I was hesitant about or didn't understand or had issues with. And that could potentially affect the way that I go about this, the way that I talk to my kids. So how do you deal with your own, for lack of a better word, crap, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> your own personal crap when it comes to this topic? Because boy, it's loaded. It is really loaded. Okay. So just being in touch with our own self-awareness about whatever baggage or junk that we might bring is huge, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that self-awareness step. And even if it's just taking a moment to reflect on where am I with this? How do I feel about this? Where I am now? And why is that? I do believe that we had a template from when we were younger that we tend to either model or go in the complete opposite direction. And there's many factors that could come into play about that. But just becoming self-aware about where we are. And then there could be other things that are getting in the way. If someone has been the victim of something, that might mm -hmm. interfere with how we feel comfortable talking about sex with our kids. So do that self-exploration. And I do offer exercises to people to help get in touch with that as Mm -hmm. That's one step. Another thing, though, if we were to then move beyond that self-awareness piece and think about when we're talking with our kids, in this case, it's about sex. But as you accurately mentioned earlier, there's a lot of other topics that might be more challenging for us to steer into for a variety of reasons, whether we're proactively steering into it or we're responding to when they come to us with questions. I really feel it's important to be open and curious, mm -hmm. just following up with a question to your kid, like, why are you asking that right now? Not in a way that puts them on the defense, but you're being curious, like, oh, mm -hmm. okay. So you're asking that. Where's this coming from? Yeah. What's making you ask me that now? Or what's making you interested in this topic now, for example? Another thing related to this, especially when a kid is asking questions, is to not be reactive. Yes. No knee-jerk reactions. Watch our facial expressions like shock and so forth. Because if we're trying to be that open, trusted, available, accessible parent, when we're giving those signals, whether it's a tone in our voice, the expression on our face, I'm talking about like negatively, that is going to be a deterrent mm -hmm. for them to keep going. But if we can be very intentionally deliberate in pausing and reflecting and responding as opposed to reacting, it's going to just do wonders for creating ongoing conversations. Now, sometimes we're caught so off guard that we can say, 
wow, I really wasn't expecting that question now. And I would love to explore this with you. Can we park this for now? And let's get back to it tonight or tomorrow. And that can just buy you time. And I love that idea if you're really in, I don't know, a particular place Mm -hmm. emotionally or just not ready or rushing. It could just be physically, there's no time to address this now. Or it could be you're just so stunned and you don't want to necessarily go down a wrong path here. So you buy time and you can just, again, be really upfront about it. Like, this is a great conversation to have. I'm just not ready to have it at this moment, but let's revisit this. What time is good for you? I think that's so smart, honestly. And that's such a good example for our kids to see too. Like, that's just a good boundary to have. If we're not able to have a conversation in that moment, it's okay to say, I don't know if I can give you the best response right now. I I really want to talk to you about it. Let's just come back to it later. Again, these approaches Coaches really apply to so much when it comes to other parts of parenting, they right? Do. It's like not just the sex talk. So interestingly, you suggest something that I don't think I've ever seen suggested before, which is a sex education group. I would love to hear more about this. You know, we have an amazing resource in our town for LGBTQ plus youth, and it's wonderful. They have one for like tweens and younger teens, and they have one for older teens. And it sounds exactly like you're describing you know, it is a support group. And for obvious reasons, I wish that we didn't need to have that sort of safety net that everyone would be as accepting as I would like them to be. But I wonder how it would be for like a cishet group of kids, because I feel like it would be so helpful to have experts in the community come together and give them information, especially with what's happening in school districts, right? Like it just really feels like such a smart idea. So talk a little bit more about how it works. Well, I love this idea. It's starting a community sex education group. And I love that your town actually has a group for the LGBTQ plus community. The group that I had formed, they were tweens when they started uh, and they didn't identify their sexuality. So that almost is irrelevant in my opinion. I can understand the utility for a historically marginalized group to define it that way. But if you just want to have a generalized community group, I would open it to anybody who wants to participate. But what I loved about this is that the experts are the adults in people's lives. So I happened to run this group for females or those with vaginas. And this was a long time ago. My kids were not in the group. It worked really well that I was not a parent of anybody in the group. And I could see how that is a model I might suggest, but it could also work if you do happen to have offspring in the group. Mm -hmm. This model, they named it Girls Group. I would probably come up with a better name in the future. (laughs) Girls Group started under the premise of being a sex ed group. It grew to be so much more, but again, very peripherally or tangentially always came back to sex education because Mm -hmm. there's so much that is related to sex ed. And it worked because you know, I came in with a lot of ideas for topics, but they also gave them a voice about what would be useful for them. What would they like to hear? They never wanted it to end. So what started as a six week, I don't want to really call it a class because it was very informal. Right, right. Meetings. Yeah. It ended up lasting five years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. They dictated the length. They kept saying, we don't want it to end. We don't want it to end. And what that tells me is that there's a lot they got out of it and that there's others who could get a lot out of it as well. It's a 
a safe place to talk about everything from what we call nuts and bolts of sex education, as well as body image, consent issues, stress management, alcohol and drugs, and how do those relate to decision making when we're involved with somebody, different kinds of relationships, different kinds of touch. Obviously, if this went on for so many years, you can imagine we covered a lot of topics, but I loved it because they looked forward to it. For them, it became a social gathering. They knew they were going to see this group of people every time we met. There was nothing that was forbidden, like Mm -hmm. bring it on. Let's talk. You know, I had an anonymous box where they could insert questions of what they would like to cover in the future or questions that they maybe didn't feel comfortable saying out loud initially. There's just so many things about it. And they walked away. And this is feedback I got from them as well as parents with a sense of self empowerment, confidence. And it is so rewarding. I mean, I think I got just as much out of it as they did, but I want to be able to help people replicate that if they find it could be useful. And this was all girls, as I said, but it doesn't have to be right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the things. There's two camps of people feel like should sex ed be segregated in a binary fashion. My vote is no. This organically happened because these were daughters of my friends. They all happen to have daughters the same age. But, you know, I could see it happening organically with a mixed group of people, right? However, they identify sexual identity and gender identity and so forth. I think that's so amazing. What a valuable experience for those young women and for kids in general. Again, you talked about this and the theme really has been about, I don't really love the word normal, but this is what we're talking about. We're really trying to normalize this conversation. We're trying to make it so that it is not as taboo and that it is healthy and open because it helps them become healthy adults and not like physical health, mental health, right? This is Mm -hmm. like a thing. And this is Mm -hmm. also our job. We are creating a whole person and sexuality and relationships and all of those things that are really at the heart of this conversation are about. And so I love this idea. I love the book and I'm so grateful that you put this together. So I, I, you know, right now, folks, you can grab this anywhere you get books. It's called Stop Sweating and Start Talking, How to Make Sex Chats with Your Kids Easier Than You Think. This is such an easy read. I love that it has a workbook component in it so that you can really put down your thoughts and explore this. You know, it's a great reference, but also it's kind of a workbook. And folks can find you. It looks like you're active on Instagram. Andrea, your ARB coach. You're on LinkedIn, Andrea-Brand-Life-Coach. Very easy to find. And folks can also work with you and get more information about what you do and the book and all that stuff at arbcoaching.com. So you're going to stick around for cool picks of the week, right? Yes. All right. Well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. Andrea, you are my guest, so you get to go first. Okay. So last year, I discovered something called Tribute.co, Tribute.co. And what it is, is my husband was having a milestone birthday last year. And what I wanted to do was to get people from afar to be able to celebrate with us and acknowledge. So it's the coolest thing. What you get to do is you send out through tribute.co, they get an invitation to submit a little video saying whatever they want, in this case about my husband, but you can do this for anyone, for any reason, for any occasion. It's really fun. And then all of these videos come back and you have the choice of either assembling them yourself into one big video or having them do it. And I loved that creative challenge of adding music and extra photos in there. So I took it on and it is so much fun. I took photos and videos of him watching it when 
when I presented it to him because it is so beautiful. I mean, we got people from all over the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Australia to participate. And how (gasps) else could we have honored, right? So I loved this. It's just a really great thing to keep in mind. And I can't wait to find an occasion to use this again for somebody. Oh, that's so valuable. I mean, especially given the way the last few years have gone, but even so, as we get older, in particular, right, our friends and family are all spread out. So what a wonderful way. I love that. Tribute.co. I've never heard of it. So it's new to me and new to Spawn. Oh, good. So my cool pick is... I don't know if it's basic, I don't, as the kids would say, basic, but <laughs> I had to stop drinking coffee, which is like the saddest thing ever because I love coffee so much. But, you know, it's like mid 40s, reflux, all the really, you know, sexy things. So I started drinking London Fog lattes. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. Are you a tea or a coffee person, Andrea? I'm a coffee person, okay. but I do like tea and I'm okay. willing to try it because I'm always up for a new drink. Okay. So London Fog lattes, I had never heard of them before. And I'm obsessed now. So basically, it's like Earl Grey tea. Sometimes they do like an English breakfast tea, a shot of vanilla or some sort of like light sweetener and then steamed milk. Mm. It is tasty. It's so tasty. We actually put a recipe up on our food site, coolmomeats.com. You can make it at home if you have a milk frother. It's really easy. You can get them at your favorite coffee establishments as well. But if you're like me and you kind of want to cut back on coffee and adjust your caffeine intake, I highly recommend London Fog tea lattes, but typically you can just say London Fog and the cool people will know what you're talking about. <laughs> it sounds delicious. And I bet it'd be good even with like an oat milk or something. Yes, that just sounds yes, yummy. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So of course, we will link up everything we spoke about today. Andrea's book, Stop Sweating and Start Talking, her website, our cool picks of the week, everything you'll find over at coolmompicks.com. Andrea, thank you so, so, so much for joining me today. Oh, true. True pleasure, Kristen. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our guest, Andrea Brand, and our awesome engineer, John Bowen. Listen, if you have a minute, if you can leave us a five-star review, wherever you listen to your podcast, we would greatly appreciate it when you do that and you subscribe and download our episodes. It actually helps other listeners like you find us. And you can, of course, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We do have a Spawned podcast community on Facebook. We chat about the show and pretty much everything else. You can also find us in Recipe Rescue and out-tech your kids. Thank you so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.